My name is Nikki Robertson. I'm a clinical nutritionist, NLP practitioner, and founder of Reinvent Health. We are all motivated by meaning, which is why the Reinvent podcast aims to bring you a wide range of relevant information, focusing on all aspects of physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. My objective is to pick the minds of some of the most interesting people, all with their own stories of personal transformation, so that you can make the changes towards a more meaningful, healthier, and happier life. In today's podcast, I chat with Leah Seafall, a straight-talking life and relationship coach and author who has worked with individuals, couples, and organizations in over 10 countries for more than 24 years, specializing in authenticity and shadow work. Leah shows others how to get real about their lives, relationships, and communications. Leah is a regular guest on Real Health and is a guest contributor for You Magazine, Destiny, and W24. Leah has a private coaching practice in Johannesburg. So Leah, welcome to the very first reInvent podcast. I'm so excited to have you as my first guest. I love being here. What I want to do today is let's launch into something that is very topical. Mm. Uh, It seems to be of sort of epidemic proportions lately. We're seeing a lot of this in on social media, and that is the subject of anxiety. Yeah. So working with people daily on a daily basis as a coach, what is your experience of anxiety? How would you define it, and why would you say it is? reaching these epidemic proportions? Uh, Look, I think the the bottom line for me always is that anxiety uh, exists in the space between where I am right now versus where I want to be. And the huge gap of of what I've got to go through to get to that picture of what I want to achieve in my life. And I think that, you know, we, 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 we live in this social media world where we constantly feel like we have to game up. We have to uh, level up to be more, look more, have more, do more. Um, and if our friends are doing it, we need to do it. You know, if, if somebody in our industry is doing something, we've got to compete with them. Sure. Um, so I think we drive our own competitiveness massively, unnecessarily so. And why do you need to have that thing just because somebody else has it? Why do you need to look that way just because somebody else does? So I think the anxiety is 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 feeling like you do not have the capability or the resource to get that thing that you think you need, but it's not actually, you know, real for you. So purely born out of comparison because yeah. we've got so much yeah. to compare ourselves with compared to say 20 years ago where yeah. we couldn't see what people were doing on a daily basis. Absolutely. And the fact of the matter is what you're seeing on social media is fiction most yep. of the time, yeah. but we still use that as a measure. Yeah. What's really scary for me is that we're seeing this with children yeah. a lot and very young children. Yeah. So as parents, how do we how do we get a reality check for ourselves and for our kids? Uh, I think this is something that really needs to be taken seriously because mm. it's causing physical problems, mental, mental issues. I mean, this is not necessary. We've no, it's not necessary. And parents need to just actually calm down a bit. I think what I mean by that is that parents are looking for the problems. Like a child will behave in a way and a parent immediately thinks this has to be addressed. We have to go to a therapist and we have to do, you know, educational psychology and we have to have testing done to make sure that they're completely fine. I think parents read too much online. Yes. You know, it's a bit like WebMD. Just don't go there (laughs) because you start seeing problems that aren't there. And then your child becomes like the experiment. Okay, well, now we're going to start doing this with your diet. And now we're going to start doing this with your learning. And now we have to start doing these activities on weekends. And you can't do this with screen time. It just becomes too rule-based with children. And the anxiety with children, again, is is what they want to do versus what they're allowed to do. Sure. And children have no control over their lives. And that's the anxiety is that they have to obey 
everyone, parents, teachers, older siblings. Mm. So um, this pressure to have to please everybody really is what drives childhood anxiety, not being enough. It's very sad. It's mm. very, I, you know, I said with my little one as well, um, and I know that you know kids mirror at, mirror their parents, they mm. mirror adults because mm. that is their own. That's the way the brain works, mm. you know. So if we are strung up with anxiety and worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, and realistically mm. speaking, we live in a country where um, if you're not worried, you're you're delusional yeah. because we are yeah. in a very diff, diff, very dangerous. We live in a very dangerous country. We live in a very dangerous society. And we're hammered with all of this stuff. So how do we deal with it? What are the steps we can take, you and me and the next person listening to this, to, you know, get a, a bit more leverage on and stop the runaway train in all of our heads? Because I think we are causing more trouble in our own headspace than needs be. Mm. What would your tips be for someone who comes to you and goes, I'm out of control. I can't get a handle on everything that's been thrown at me. Well, I think first thing is compartmentalizing. I think the first thing is really let's just get clear on your life in segments. So, you know, you've got your health, you've got finances, you have your relationship, you have got your work and career, you've got family, you've got the home that you live in, you've got your spiritual journey or your, or your religious journey, you've got personal growth stuff. So all of those are very different areas. And what I would say is let's just separate all of them out. Let's focus on what is not working in each of those areas, but also what is working in all sure. of those areas, because we tend to have a bad experience in one area of our life. I think finance is something everybody can relate to. I'm struggling financially. I don't have enough bills for the end of the month. We become so honed in on that area that it's a bit like I always say, it's like putting a drop of dye into water. It yeah. just leaches into everything and suddenly your whole life is not okay. Yes. So when you compartmentalize, it allows you to really focus in on when the real issue actually is and actually the rest of your life is working for you. Sure. Um, and it's important to look at what is working. I think everyone's very focused on what that doesn't work. So what does work starts just kind of raising your little energy a bit um, and, and making you feel a bit more inspired and a bit more motivated. Yeah. It's not all doom and gloom. So, yeah, I mean, I think maybe even a daily practice of writing down what is working before yeah. we launch into the boss you hate, the job you hate, the money you don't have, and let that sort of create that color over everything you do. That's a really, I think that's a brilliant tip is to, even with children, you know, we've all heard at night time, go and sit with your kids and go, well, what are the three things I'm grateful for? And it becomes a little bit monotonous. I'm grateful for mommy. I'm grateful for daddy, yeah. etc. Yeah. But to, to look at what is working, yeah. you know, and really feel good about that because, yeah, you build the emotional muscle to deal with what isn't working. And then you yeah. have the energy to do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. So coping mechanisms is important. Things like making sure that you're getting enough sleep because it's amazing how you have no capacity to deal with stress when you're exhausted. So sleep exactly. is critically important for handling anxiety and stress. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I don't think anybody gets enough no. sleep. No. Um, people yeah. think they can function on four or five hours of sleep and your brain is dying yeah. if you think that that's yeah. true. Yeah. So I, th I think it's not only the, the amount that people are not getting, it's the disruption of sleep. Um, we, we have a massive problem and, and we all know this stuff. This is what irritates me about being a human being. And I do it in my own life. We know what we shouldn't be doing and sure. we don't stop doing it. So this thing about screen time before bed really is diabolical. This thing of TV and binge watching Netflix until you go like crash on the couch. It's yeah. diabolical. It's like we're not putting any ritualistic conscious intent to how we end our day. Yeah. We put a lot of effort into beginning our day and how we get 
dressed and shower and get ready and have our coffee and yeah, it's going to be an amazing day. We don't put the same intention to closing the day. Sure. So I think closing ceremony, for lack of a better word, is an important ritual to bring into a family home. Uh, when dinner time is happening, no tech and properly connect. You know, I'm a big fan of going around the table and everybody just gets to share what didn't work for them in their day, what did work for them in their day. Yeah. So so they they heard, and I think this is another problem, especially with children and anxiety, is there's not a space being created in the home for them to be heard. Stuff is going on with them that's not okay. But all parents are focusing on is, have you done your homework? Um, you know, what do you have to have ready for your project tomorrow? Um, is your school bag packed for tomorrow? Um, you know, all the logistical stuff that actually is, it's just drop it a bit yes. and connect with your child to really see what's going on with them. And I think also with, with parents, it's a case of if my child has a problem, I have to fix it. Oh, yeah. Oh. So you can't. I mean, which we all want to because I think that's natural mm. and it's just, a, you know, it's a nurturing tendency. So mm. kids also pick that up and they go, well, I don't want to tell my mom because we're going to have a fight. Uh, mm. She can't handle it. And you end up with children who don't talk to you and that mm. becomes a problem. And these things spiral out of control. So again, it goes back to conscious parenting, um, I think learning how to listen without reacting. Oh, well, learning isn't that to listen? the secret to communication? Oh, full stop. Good like, no reaction. And, and I think with children, parents also assume that all children are talkers. Yeah. You know, there's different ways we like to communicate. Yeah. And, and children don't have the same um, a context of what goes on in the world. Um, they, they don't have the same vocabulary, don't have the same understanding of stuff. You know, for them, a friend ignoring them at first break is a is, is highly stressful. Yeah. And for us, I think parents belittle a lot of stuff with kids. Like, oh, well, you know, you'll find another friend or, you know, just go sit with somebody else at second break. And we really dismiss what is truly stressful for them because yeah. we think things like not being able to pay the mortgage and crime realistically so for adults is the stressful point but just remember who you're talking to and the yeah. age level that you're talking to and try and get into their headspace give me an example i mean if you had a little a, a 10 year old who whose life had come to an end because their best friend had now has another friend mm -hmm. well how would you deal with that so i have i have had that with my daughter on, on numerous occasions and uh I think that it's always getting kids to look at, at what would they gain by maintaining this friendship? What would they lose by saying goodbye to this friendship? You know, how does this friendship add value to my life? Because that is what friendship is about. Mm -hmm. It is about an equal participation and it's about adding value. And I know that sounds like a big adult concept, but when you speak to kids about what is it important for you to, about this friendship, well, having fun and having sleepovers and playing sport together and uh, coloring in together, whatever the reason is, focus on what it is they're actually looking for. Because I think with children, they're so desperate to make it with everybody else that they just give and they don't stop to think well what is it I'd actually like to be receiving in return and is this person giving that to me uh, it's it's explaining to them that you know children are going to go through huge variations in what they like what they don't like who they like what interests they have and everything is just kind of evolving slowly so what worked for you one term won't necessarily work for you in another term and uh, and that you have to let people go if they don't value you. You have to be willing to say, great, she's not leaving me because I'm a horrible person. She's not ignoring me or not inviting me to the party because there's something wrong with me. It's just she's choosing people that resonate more with where she's at in her life and I'm not that person. So I know it's very hard. It's a tough and, one. and because I guess because my daughter grows up with me speaking to her like this all the time, it's a different conversation. Mm. I just think that 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 one of the things parents don't do is empathize. Just simply empathize with how your would, child. How would you feel just, if yeah, you were absolutely. in that situation? So, oh, mommy, you know, because yeah. I know all our instinct as a parent is to want to go and like 
kill the child that hurt my child. <laughs> but I think like as a parent, you've got, simply got to say, wow, that's really crappy. Yes. I'm really, I can see that really hurt your feelings. Yes. Um, come, let's and I think have a hug. What they really want is someone who just understands how they feel and not yeah. necessarily someone to solve their problem. That is an absolute uh, gem that's just come out of your mouth because, I mean, I, my daughter says that to me all the time. Like, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to, like, understand. Give me a hug. Yes. You know? Be there and, for me. And my mind is always, okay, well, I, I, I don't want you to go through this pain again. So next time you must say this and do this. And she's like, I don't want you to fix it. Just, like, sure, hug me. Sure. <laughs> and I think also creating that objective objectivity for kids because, yeah. I mean, no one's born thinking yeah. the bigger picture yeah um but if you talk it often enough eventually they start going well yeah i can see it from somebody else's point and that's an important thing is trying to get your child to see it from the other perspective they don't they they feel wounded they feel rejected so it's really important to get your child to go why do you think they don't invite you why do you think they've chosen to start hanging out with somebody else at break what do you think is going on Mm. and taking responsibility because all children will behave like they didn't do or say anything to drive their friend away and we Mm. all know they did Mm. so uh, I'm a big fan of of taking ownership of what behavior you engaged in that was not okay that made someone actually not want to be in your space you know and when you can go oh well maybe I'm a bit too bossy maybe I always want to play my game and not her game and maybe she just doesn't like that anymore just perspective is important I think a lot of adults can take away from that (laughs) as well you know in the work environment it's it's like a bunch of kids. Let's be honest. We never yeah. grow up. We really we never don't. Grow up. Like all children in adult bodies. We it's... just have more sophisticated issues to <laughs> exactly. deal with. So, exactly. And yeah. more coping mechanisms. And we, then our, our kids mirror that because they, yeah. they see us doing it. So. And I think that's the thing you asked earlier about, um, you know, anxiety, what kids see in the home, but more importantly, what kids hear in the home. Yeah. And adults really think kids aren't paying attention. Adults think like we can have a fat conversation about our friend who was hijacked or, or did you hear about the neighbor who got shot or did you hear about this, whatever. It's, 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 I think we've normalized conversation like this in South Africa to the point that it's normalized for children. Now, I work with you know, children psychologists. You know, I don't work, personally work with children, but I refer to kids psychologists. And the amount of, of, of trauma um, in children because of crime in the country and because they overhear it with their parents talking and on the news. So I made a decision a long time ago that I will not listen to news at all in the mm-hmm. car. I won't have it on the TV at home. Um, it's not something I want to subject my child to. And if that means that she doesn't know what's going on in the world, you know, that's fine for me right now. Yes, yeah, because you've got a sense of something. You do. Mm-hmm. And children don't actually have a coping mechanism to understand the severity of what our crime and what, what really awful stuff is happening in the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know parents that just like let kids, you know, constantly watch, you know, CNN and have news channels on and the news is on in the home. I'm asked, like, just stop it. Because look at your own anxiety level when you hear sure. that. So I think anxiety is a huge amount of of what we input, what are we reading, what are we listening to, what are we watching on TV. What are we allowing into our sort of psychic space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Your energetic space takes on stuff. And and that's why, you know, I always say it's really important to fast, not just from food sometimes, (laughs) but from people and from definitely the news. I mean, like I know that they're important issues, but I don't feel there's enough good stuff. Yeah, I've stopped watching the news years ago. Yeah. I just can't handle it anymore. Yeah. And it influences how I react with people. Yeah. So the really important stuff, somebody's going to say something. Yeah. Um, if there is an earthquake, I'm sure I will hear about it. I agree with you. And I do. I always do hear about it. Yeah. So I think when it comes to kids and us, be very aware of what content you are allowing in your home. Yes. And what your kids are watching on their phones and on iPads. It's really hard to police. It's really hard. I, you, know, I, you know, that's such a good point because you've got Netflix accounts. We've yeah. got YouTube 
YouTube, which is uncensored. I'm yeah. sorry, no matter no, what kind of parental controls. There's TikTok, which is toxic, which we should not, I mean, this shouldn't be allowed. You know, the social media is basically putting your children in the hands of people you wouldn't put your children in the hands of and if yet, they were there. This is their world. This and is we th- cannot resist it. Yeah. We have to teach them how to navigate it. Sure. So, you know, I remember it it was just the most it was probably the worst conversation I've ever had to have with my daughter because there was a news report about um, some grade seven boys who had raped a grade four girl at a school. Now Oof. it was on main news. Yeah. And it you know, it happened so quickly before you can quickly switch the button off and oh, sh- she heard that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to have to have the rape conversation with her yeah. because otherwise she's going to go to school and some other, you know, child is going to tell her what their big brother taught them about rape. Yeah. Um, and I'd rather have a conversation where she can really ask as many questions as she wants. So we did. We had the, uh, a conversation about what rape means. Yeah. Um, and it was terrible. But uh, it's also you have to be conscious of that stuff. I'm sorry in this country. Um, and, and I want her to be aware of what it means. And, and also because, I mean, I know I'm veering off a little bit here, but about That's the rape so, thing is yeah. that most of the time with kids doing it to kids, it's not a violence that we see in adult rape. You know, it's friends exploring and, oh, I, I think this might feel nice and would you like to try with me? And mm. so I think kids always expect bad things to be from bad people and an aggression. And sure. very often the terrible stuff is... People you know. Nice way. People you know. Mm. You can't quite contextualize what, what's going on here. So, yeah, I think I think... To alleviate a lot of anxiety also, especially with children and with adults, is answer questions. Because the anxiety exists in the space of the unknown. When Mm. we don't know, we make up stories in our head. And then those stories are scarier than any reality that could actually exist. So it's important to go, okay, this sounds like a scary topic, but let's talk. Ask me any questions. Let's get clear on what this actually is about. And be really straight up because I think they'll respect you more knowing that you're going to get a straight answer from your mom. She's not going to sugarcoat. Yeah. You know, yeah, and then you're gonna look like a fool, yeah. Um, and kids are so much more sophisticated nowadays, so much, I so mean, they get it hey? so much more than we did. It's terrifying, you've got to up <laughs> your game as a parent, it's terrible. Anyway. No, it is. I look at yeah. mine, she's 13. I'm like, what she knows now compared to where I was at 13, sure. it's like years apart. So, your kids are also big enough to hear the truth, mm. is what I want to say. People want to, uh, you know, kids are kids know when their parents are lying, kids know when stuff isn't being really clearly described to them they're not stupid mm-hmm. so so stop underestimating their awareness and what they get you know kids are amazing but with adults as well it's it's especially in relationship with anxiety that thing you said earlier of i'm scared of the reaction is just the number one reason people don't tell the truth in their relationships sure and then they let all those things unsaid become the problem and where the anxiety exists So just to step out of the subject of anxiety just for a few minutes, I want to find out why you got into this coaching field. What is the the shadow side? Look, I'm very privileged to have grown up in a home with parents that ran huge amounts of personal growth, self-development workshops from the 80s in this country. Um, so I think my whole life growing up was in a home with people that were very conscious about this kind of work. And back then, the word coaching didn't exist. Sure. You know, it was personal development stuff. So um, it, it has been a dialogue and a, and a reality I've just breathed my whole life. And it just was a natural progression for me to move into. Um, you know, I veered off into uh, into corporate for a bit, you know, my 
momentary lapse of concentration there. Um, but <laughs> quite experienced. I do, and yes. it served me hugely sure. in the work that I do. I do quite a lot of corporate work, but uh, but in the end, this is this is this is what drives me. And working with people has always been the family business, so to speak. But you know, it's been my life. And yeah. I can't imagine doing anything else really because uh, the human condition completely fascinates me. Um, I cannot ever read enough books or do enough research around why we behave the way we do and why are we the way that we are. It just, it's incredibly fascinating to me. So then I did, you know, do all my formal official, you know, certifications and qualifications around coaching, but yet it had been something I'd already been doing, you know, for, naturally. naturally for 20 mm. years of my life. So um, coaching is, is, is just, yeah, sitting in, in kind of, sacred space for somebody and holding a space for them to really go to the darkest parts within themselves where they're not going to be judged and they don't have to make excuses and they don't have to apologize for who they are mm. because that's where the real work happens is at the deeper level and uh, people like we keep coming back to the whole social media facade and um, people start to lose a bit of what's real you know, who actually am I? Yeah. This I've, I've spent so much time and energy crafting these photographs and crafting these posts and crafting what I look like in the world. Um, and that for me is where the personal anxiety exists is, is like I've actually just lost myself. I don't know who I am and I don't know what I want. That compulsion to create an image that other people want to live up to, where yeah. did that come from? I mean, yeah. I think that's a, a, a natural tribal ingrained human need to want to belong or to want to stand out or to want to feel special. Yeah. I think acceptance is, is one of the most fundamental needs we have. Mm. And, you know, you're getting it on a daily basis with a sure. like and a click. And, it, and, you know, I mean, there's so much research done around this, you know, how it just triggers those dopamine senses sure. in your brain when you see a little like. And it is genuinely like a drug hit. Yeah. So it's not that simple to just say to people, ah, you know, just stop doing it. You know, it's, it's that you know this. I mean, you know from the – you're the hormone and mm. kind of neurochemical mm. expert here is, is yeah. what, what eating cheese and sugar does for your brain is exactly what getting a like or a little heart on Instagram it's does exactly for you. It's exactly the same chemi chemical map in the brain. Yet we give kids – devices yeah. and they're getting dopamine hit after hit after hit yeah. and if they can't have the device they want yeah. ice cream and but and understand this is a problem. no it's interesting that but also understand that the, the, the desperation of where children are needing to fit into the tribe yes um <clears throat> and and anything they can do to be accepted by the cool kids at school so you know if, if somebody at school if like the cute boy that you like suddenly starts following you on instagram you know what that does for you you know <laughs> and um and and it just it just means you you you're not alone, and yes. I think so many teenagers especially feel alone. So I think all of us are, no, are yeah. suffering from um, an overcrowded sense of loneliness. Oh. There's so many people, but no one you can really connect with where it matters. Yeah, and I mean, what what is your definition of the shadow? Let's just. Okay, so the shadow is the shadow. So I do shadow coaching, and mm. shadow coaching the, the shadow is the part of yourself that you are unwilling to own about yourself. The shadow are the aspects within you that you feel shame about, that you feel um, embarrassed about, and that you've locked down from a very young age that the world is not going to see that part of me. Because if they do, it's going to compromise my relationships and it's going to actually compromise me. Mm. So our ego. Our conscious mind gets very attached to to this um, role that we play in the world. You know, you play the role of Nikki in the world. Mm. Um, but, you know, you, there's things that you don't want people to know about you. You know, we don't want people to think that we could be abusive. We don't want people to think that we could be a tyrant. You know, we don't want people to think that we're a bitch. And mm. um, we, we try to really convince the world that we're really nice people. Meanwhile, we're all of these things. All of them. All of us are all, all of, of these them. things. And the more real we can be about that and just own everything that you are, 
more so understand that every single one of those aspects really does serve you in certain circumstances in your life. And um, I think we've all known, uh, you know, the, the, the doormats in relationships who have no boundaries whatsoever, but they're such nice people. And they're nice and they're kind and they'll do anything for you and they've got good hearts. Those people are the ones who struggle the most because they have an inability to engage their inner kind of fighter to say no more. Not interested. Stop it now. So, you know, because they've judged fighter to be horrible or wrong or not okay. Shadow work is really about opening you to you and just owning all of who you are, that you are operating from a far more authentic space. And that's what authenticity means for me. The more in touch you are with your shadow, the more real you are about who you really are, the more real you can be in the world. And that's what authenticity is for me. Okay, so how do we how do we take these tools and put them into my corporate job where I'm dealing with a toxic boss who has shadows coming out of her ears and can't <laughs> deal with it, you know, and is trying to be Miss Perfect to the CEO. And this is something I see in my clients every day. They're really battling with these yeah. unreal relationships, these facades, these ghosts of human beings who are just trying, we're all trying to survive. That's the problem. We are all trying to survive. We're all in a desperate state. The fundamental problem for me with corporate is that you put on such a show in the interview. You're presenting such a, a, a part of you that's, that's really one-dimensional, and that's what gets you the hire. So they're hiring you with a perception that you are A, when in real life you're B and C. Yes. And, and now they've got a perception of who you are, um, and then you want to start trying to be someone completely different in the workplace. So from the interview process, the authenticity isn't there. You're lying. You're saying whatever you want them. Short they want to hear. Reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Completely highlight reel. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're also doing the same. You know, as the as the people interviewing you, they're also putting forward. You know, their their look. So I think people have got to get a lot more real in how they present themselves for interviews. When they arrive on the job, they've got to be really clear about what the expectations are. Expectations never get discussed. And a new hire is very aware, you know, the job market is really tough at the moment. People don't want to compromise a a stable job. So they're just going to do whatever their boss wants them to do. Mm -hmm. And the boss is going to come out like, I know we hired you for this, but could you just quickly do this for me? Of course, they're going to say yes. You know, because what first week employee is going to say, no, no. shove it up your ass. I'm not going to do that for you. <laughs> Nobody does that. Yeah. But the problem is now, you, that you, now you've set a standard. And yeah. now your boss knows he can come to you anytime, any hour. What boundaries? Boundaries are so critical. But from day one. Yeah. Because you cannot let this behavior go on for a month, for two months, for three, and then suddenly go to your boss and say, mm, I don't like what, you know, you're doing to me. Well, you've been okay with it for three months. And that's why doing that work on yourself is so critically important. So, listen, if I had a solution for toxic workplace environments, I'd be a multimillionaire. I don't think anybody does because you are dealing with it's the individual, that the individuals in the workplace, and it depends on where they are and where they're coming from. And the game playing in corporate environment yeah. is hectic. That's why I left. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't be a part of this absolute annihilation of sure. each other and the comp- competition and the backstabbing. And so... Uh, but the only thing you have control over in a corporate environment is you. Mm. So you've got to be clear, deliver communications, sit down with your boss. This is what is not working for me. This is where I feel I'm being taken for granted. This is not what I was hired to do. Always revert back to your contract. You're paying me to do this, not this. You know, mm. try to always keep it about the contract and not make it personal. Yeah, we always want to be seen as being going over and above the call of duty because, but I can tell you, anyone listening would agree 
um, no company is going to be going to recognize you're over and above. It doesn't happen. No. Everyone's out for themselves. I'm sorry. Uh, it sounds so no, cynical, no, but are. it's true. But it's and you're over and above, you're over and above um, becomes uh, expected. And you know, my Exploited. worst, my worst line in a contract is that line of you may be required to do other duties from time to time. To listen. I'm like, what is that? Please be Cross specific. it out. No, yes. I'm not yeah. signing that because yeah. that's just like treat me how you want, when you want. You know, and, and, and I must just be okay with it. So so why is it that it seems that people cannot establish boundaries? Have we been taught that it's bad manners or bad form to have a line in the sand? That is ridiculous. And then we end up with a bunch of really miserable people all over the world trying to take each other out. I want you to look at how you parent. I want all of the listeners to look at how you parent your child. When your child gets defiant with you, what do you do? Don't talk back to me. I'm the adult, you're the child, you'll do as I say, these are the rules. Really, this is for me is where it starts. When you're a child, you really have no authority over your own life. You can't say to your parents, I don't want to go to bed at that time. I don't want to eat that food. I don't like that school. Your decisions are made for you and you just got to suck it up and be okay with it. So one of the most powerful things you can do as a parent is let your children know it is okay to say no. We teach them that if a stranger wants to say hello or if anybody tries to touch you, it's not okay. But we don't teach them that it's okay to do that with us also. So true. That we will cross lines with them and they have the right to say to us, I don't like the way that you're speaking to me. I don't like the way uh, that you, you hug me all the time because maybe I'm a non-touching child and I don't like and that's hugs. okay, actually. That's totally okay. My daughter's a complete non-toucher and I'm a toucher. So I always want to oh hug dear. her when she's sad and when she's not okay. I just want to give her hugs and she can't stand it. Mm. So I've got to respect her space and I have to respect her room. Her room is her place. Private place. So her doors, cl- when I enter her room, it is always with a knock. I will never just walk into her space. She has the right to her own private space in a home where actually she can do what she wants and be who she wants. And it looks like a pigsty. And so what? Is a made bed more important than my child feeling that she can just express herself at least in one area of her life? So I know it's hard. I'm not saying all the time. You know, I'm a neat freak, so I always want that bed made. (laughs) So I've just learned to close the door. Then I don't have to deal with it. But that's where people struggle with boundaries. Yeah, sure. Look, we parent like we were parented unless Mm. we realize Mm. there's another way of Mm -hmm. doing it. Mm. Um, And no child is allowed to talk back to a teacher. Now look at where your child spends 90% of their time, at school. Mm. And everything is, you know, they're dictators. I'm sorry. You you will do as you're told. Well, look, with 30 children in a class, I'd also be a dictator. (laughs) Me too. I don't know how teachers do it. I I don't. Huge respect. Completely. So I think that's the fundamental start of where boundary setting is is an issue with people. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely brilliant because we we always say, well, keep quiet, do as you're told. That's what being a good parent is. Otherwise, we're going to have a spoiled brat. That's not true at all. Yeah. It's it's creating people who are going to have anxiety issues when yeah. they grow up and not know how to say no to yeah. that boy who who wants to do X, Y, Z, or that girl for that matter. Let's not because know. what we're teaching children is that there's a feeling in their body that makes them uncomfortable. They're trying to tell us they feel uncomfortable, and we go, "Don't be f- non. No, it's nonsense. Don't be mm. f- you know full of nonsense. Just go and do your thing." It's like we we di- we we disregard their natural feeling, and yet that is what we have to pay atten- to, attention to. That is our instinctual nature. Going something here is not okay. But how, we do that with with ourselves. Oh, of I course. mean, as adults, we go underneath the tizer with a glass of wine, oh, or a, a, you know. Um, we don't want to go there ourselves. Now, as a person who's uh, the nutritional goddess that you are Thank you. and and the huge <laughs> difference you make in people's lives with the you know teaching them about nutrition and proper eating 
So I know that you see this a lot in your nutrition practice working with people is that it seems so easy to say to people, you've got to give up the wine and the sugar, um, you know, and the coffee, but, but those are not just addictive from a food perspective. They are coping mechanisms from an anxiety perspective. Totally. And until people are actually dealing with what's really going on in their lives, what, you know, the, the, the nutrition stuff is an important element, but people tend to make it the only element. And I think from your experience, you've seen this countless times through your career yeah. that pe it just dies don't work because people are not actually addressing the real stuff. Exactly. Well, I became a nutritionist because I knew diets didn't work. And yeah. that sounds so ironic because my entire life I was trying to diet yeah. and it didn't work. Yeah. So I went and studied and realized that, well, it's not about the food, actually. It's about what goes on in your head. Yeah. Uh, combining that with, with the psychoneuroimmunology, the mind-body side of things, I knew there was something else more to just dieting to change your physiology, your mental physiology and your physical physiology. Um, I'd suffered with eating disorders my entire life because yeah. of low self-esteem, anxiety as a competitive dancer. So that imprints all sorts of rubbish in your head yeah. as a child, oh, yeah. competitiveness, all that kind of stuff. And as a result, to feel better, you create a relationship with food instead of a relationship with people yeah. or a relationship with yourself. Oh, good. So, you know, understanding, firstly, food is a tool to nurture yourself. Yes, it never won't be. And there is a place for sugar. There's a place for alcohol. Yeah. But if it becomes abused like any other drug, we're going to have problems. We're going to have physical problems mm. that are going to damage you. Mm. And just learning to tell the difference but it's not something that you just get like anything you no you've got to do the work you know it's like I could either yeah. go home and try and have an honest conversation with my partner about the mm -hmm. fact that our sex life is really boring me and yes. then she's going to freak out and then I'm going to feel guilty and then she's going to get all passive aggressive and give me the silent treatment for three days and then we're just going to do what we usually do is brush it under the carpet and pretend you know what I'm just, I'm just going to have a glass of wine yeah much easier it's actually just easier to give myself a bit drunk and, and like just, just you know, get in the go mood. through the old routine. Oh dear. You know, so really people play out the yeah. whole scenario and go, oh, whatever, you know, I'll just have the wine. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. The real work has to be done in, on themselves mm -hmm. and, and stop using nutrition to solve all your problems. Yes, because you're not going to look like a supermodel. There's only a, a small handful of human yeah. beings on this planet who will look like supermodels yeah. because that's the way they're built. Um, no and nutrition plan is going to do that for you and make you popular, yeah. make you sexy. That comes from inside of you and in your brain. And I know you see this a lot with wives mm. who think that if they lose weight, it's going to change their relationship. And so not true. I know. And you've seen that yeah. countless times. And then they do and they look fantastic. And does anything change in their marriage? Nope. Actually, it sometimes gets worse. Yeah. Um, because very much that behavior stems off a different kind of insecurity within the mm. relationship. It's mm. got nothing to do with the way they look. Mm. It's got to do with their history as a human being on this planet. Yeah. And the history of their spouse on this planet and how those two yeah. colliders bounce yeah. off each other. And you can you can fit into a size 10 pair of jeans, but if you have an inability to effectively communicate in your relationship, handle conflict in a workable way and be honest. Or even deal with yourself. Make a difference. Absolutely. And, your own and manage head. your own reactions. Sure. And your own, you know, out of control responses to stuff. Mm. So, yeah, I think people, I think you you sometimes get the short end of the stick. It's like people come to you to solve everything yes. with a diet, you know. <laughs> yeah, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I weigh 50 kilos, my life will be perfect. Oh, isn't so. that so? But I have news for you. You're never going to weigh 50 kilos yeah. if that is what you're aiming for. Everyone says to me, how long did it take you to lose weight? Because I, I went through a period of, I lost 
30 kilos mm. in a very short period of time because I changed my headspace. Yeah. I said it took me 30 years to lose 30 kilos yeah. because I was doing it wrong for all that time. And when I finally realized it wasn't about the food, that's when things came out. That's yeah. why it was it looks quick. It wasn't yeah. quick. It's a lifetime of pumping your head until you ask different questions. Yeah. You've got to ask different questions. You do. And and, and when with, physi- with physical transformation, I think this this, this modern um, or kind of latest research around epigenetics for me is so mind-blowing. Sure. You know, about what is switched on and what is switched off and what activities and things have you engaged in in your life that have triggered that stuff in you. Absolutely. So thought process is also one. Emotional stuff is one. Physical stuff. But physical stuff is not just about the eating. You know, go and explore all this work that you do. Yeah, you know, it's, it's scientifically verified now that every single cell in your body is tuned into the way you're feeling and yes. responds accordingly. Yes. And how frightening is that? Yes. Because you are you're, you are completely responsible for your yeah. health um, on every level. You yeah. can't take a pill to make that yeah. go away. So the responsibility on us on our, to, to communicate this to our children, to master your emotions, not master, that's a, that's, it's, no, that it's a good way control, to say it. But, but, but to be aware. Be aware. And I think yeah. coming full circle back to the anxiety that we started talking about today, one of the the biggest um, things for me is meditation. Now, meditation uh, is is one of the single things that gets us out of our head. Mm. It calms our entire nervous system down. It shifts the frequency with which we operate. And that's what you're saying. At a cellular level, it is resonating with how we are feeling. Sure. So doing mindfulness exercises on a daily basis and doing meditation every single day. And there are so many apps and so many available oh, sure. things for you to do that. And I don't it does it really doesn't impact a religious belief you can be religious and still meditate sure. people you confuse the two you can Prayer you can pray meditation. absolutely mm. so bring some spiritual practice like that into a daily but do it with your children mm. because teaching them how to be silent and how to be in their bodies is really important sure. um, and and listen to their bodies because i'm sure you this is such a big thing for you is just your bodies are talking to you all the time all the time we've just zoned out the yeah. white noise because yeah. we don't want to have to deal with yeah. it. And they'll tell you what your body will tell you what it oh, needs. For sure. For you sure. Know? So just rounding up, I want to hear all about your new book. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've been writing it for about 15 years. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I've, I've finally got an amazing agent and publisher. So, uh, you know, so much of my work is about relationships. And one of the hugest parts of relationships is communication. And uh, so my book is on communication. It's, it's how I work and, and the tools that I give and understanding why we say the things we do, why we process communication the way that we do and understanding our different systems of communication. Um, and we, we tend to take things so personally like it's a me problem mm. without understanding it's a, it's a system Context. problem. Mm. Mm. Um, so it's, it's uh, a lot of the work I really do with a lot of my clients, they'll know it and people have been asking me to write this for a very long time. Sure. So now this is the year. Well, congratulations. Thank That's you. a huge step and it's a massive commitment. Thank and you. yeah, well done yeah. For, for putting it out there. Thank you. You know, I'm excited. So exciting. So it should be out, uh, should be published by the end of the year. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being on the very first Reinvent podcast. Absolutely. Such a pleasure to be here. And all of Leah's social links and where you can find her and get hold of her will be on our website and on the, 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 the podcast information page. So I hope you tune in again or download and subscribe the podcast and there will be a lot more content coming your way. 